Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. If you were here last week, or if you were able to maybe even listen online, um, you, you may have heard, like, we, we had a couple interruptions, a couple uh, things different last week uh, because of, of uh, things going on, and it just reminded me of the changes that have taken place in our world in the last two years. Like, the world we live in today, in 2022, is different than two years ago. And not all of these things are bad, right? Like, some of them have worked out okay. I mean, can we just talk for a minute about grocery pickup? All right, so you get online, you place your order like it tells you what's in stock, and then you show up at the store at the time you designate, and then they put it in your trunk. Like, come on, that's a COVID thing that we can keep, right? Now, I, I like Walmart, but I know my wife uses grocery pickups. So uh, what about Zoom meetings? Uh, there's some groans, I hear that too. So I think before uh, the pandemic began, I had maybe, maybe been on one or two Zoom calls in my life. Now, fast forward two years, like the standard meeting place is Zoom, isn't it? And there's Zoom and Teams and Duo and so many different platforms that we can engage through video conferencing. And there's even a real thing now called Zoom fatigue. And some of you may be feeling the weight of that even now. But for all its challenges, it has saved a lot of time, a lot of resource, and yes, gas, and not having to travel for so many meetings. Uh, hand sanitizer, like it's in my car, it's in my backpack, it's in the house, it is everywhere we go now. And two years ago, I didn't own a bottle. Now, I should have, in hindsight, we should have been doing a little more hand sanitizing, but now it litters the landscape of the world. I mean, there's a sanitation stand there as you come in the door of the church, like that is different than it was two years ago, and, and I'll, I'll close on this one, introverts in the room, how about some social distancing? You can have more personal space, and all you got to label it is public health safety, right? So introverts, it, it's been said that COVID was an introvert's paradise. I don't know if I'd go quite that far, uh, but if you need a little space, you just need a minute to be left alone, you can claim the public health card. And so some of these changes uh, are not so bad. There is yet enough challenges represented in our new world to remind us just how different things are today. Uh, the World Health Organization estimates that depression and anxiety are up 25% globally since the beginning of the pandemic. Now, I know for some of you today, that's not just a, a faraway statistic. That's the reality of the last two years of our lives together. 
the fragility of our lives here in the West has been brought to the forefront of our thinking. I think many of us can remember a time not so long ago when toilet paper became a valuable commodity, right? Like people were doing crazy things for it. Do you remember also several months ago when somebody in another country used the internet to hack into an East Coast pipeline for gasoline and disrupted the flow of gasoline on the East Coast and there were lines at gas stations and closed signs everywhere and crazy things happening. The fragility of our experience of our normal existence has been brought to the forefront of our attention and today as conflict goes on around the world and we see food supplies and energy uh, sources disrupted, we're ever reminded that it is a changing world. And so when we talk about this idea and we begin to unpack it, we're not just saying this for an effect, we're not just using this as a reason for a new teaching series, no, the world is literally different today than it was two years ago. And where's the church? Like, can we ask that question? Of all the other things that are different, where's the church in all this? How have we fared or how have we come through this changing season? Uh, uh, One look at recent surveys or polls might might surprise you. Uh, If you allow, I'd love to just share a few stats, a few uh, bits of information that caught my attention as I was preparing this week. The first one that got me just said that half... 50% of non-Christian Americans don't trust local pastors. I'm just going to confess to you today like that. That hurts. Because 50% of the people I meet every day don't trust me. And so that's why I I don't lead with that. I'm going to make you pry it out of me because I'm never sure what the word pastor is going to do anymore. 50% of non-Christian Americans don't trust local pastors. Uh, The percentage, the percentage of people who attend church one or two times per month has decreased from 34% in 2019 to 28% in 2022. In that same time slot, in that same time frame, uh, the percentage of people that seldom or never attend church actually grew from 50% to 57%. One more here, 21%, 2 of 10, 21% of non-Christian people have a positive view of the church. So 8 out of the 10 people you encounter in your everyday life are not going to have a positive view about what you're doing right now. But on the flip of that, and here's a gap that should really catch our attention. So 21% of non-Christian people, only 21% have a positive view, yet 80% of Christians do. 80% of Christians have that positive perspective. So you begin to see there's a huge gap in our understanding, our acknowledgement, our knowledge of what people around us think, how their world has changed And so as a church, as a church that is committed to the mission of Christ, committed to seeing people find relationship and restoration in Jesus, this should alert us. This should be a call to action, a call to soul searching, if you will. If we are committed to our mission of being transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ, we must also be committed to making changes in ourselves and, yes, in our approach and our mission to reach the world with the love of Jesus because our world is different. And, friends, the message of Jesus is always the same. 
when our world's different. The people we interact with every day are different. And and today, we're beginning a four-part teaching series called Your Unchurched Neighbor. Uh, Throughout this series, we are seeking to be more informed and better equipped. Yes, we want to be challenged to reach the lost and seeking hearts of the people all around us. If I were to ask you today, and, and you don't need to raise your hand, but if I was to ask today for a show of hands of how many people in this room care for someone deeply who you're reasonably sure they're not in relationship with Jesus, they're not on the way to heaven, how many of you would raise your hand? I've got an inkling, as my granddad used to say, I've got an inkling that's every person here. We know people who need Jesus. That's why they are why we are diving into this, why we want to be honest and do some soul searching of ourselves so we can reach those with the love of Jesus. We're going to begin our teaching series today by unpacking the need for understanding. And my friend Brian Charette put it this way. He says, you can't reach someone with whom you don't empathize and you won't empathize until you understand. You can't reach someone with the love of Jesus, with the hope and the joy and the peace and the redemption found in him. You can't reach someone with whom you don't empathize and you won't empathize until you understand. That's the power of understanding. So so as we begin, we're going to see that until we're able or until we are even willing to do so, we can't reach someone until we're willing to understand them, to hear their story, to hear their experience, and yes, to empathize with them right where they are. The power of of understanding. The fact is, is that the more we know about someone, the more we understand them, the more able we are to connect with them in a meaningful way. Now, I don't know about you, but it's pretty easy for me to lead with my own assumptions of someone. And you know what happens when we do that, when we lead with our assumptions rather than understanding, is we slam the door shut on the potential relationship with them. We shut the door on that connection, on that uh, avenue to share hope. We're going to begin today our teaching series in John chapter 4. John chapter 4 contains the story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And and what we're going to see, what we want to engage is, is watching Jesus employ, engage this lady with the power of understanding, the power of knowing her. And for our teaching text today, I want to do something just a a little bit different. Uh, You can find the teaching text today in John chapter 4, verses 1 through 30. But rather than just simply reading that text to you, uh, I would like us to watch The Chosen. Uh, And if you haven't seen it yet, uh, The Chosen is a production for TV online uh, where they're recreating the life of Jesus through the Gospels. Uh, If you haven't seen it, I recommend it to you. It's on YouTube. You can download the app. Uh, but it's a show called The Chosen. And they uh, have a rendition of this text that I think uh, conveys the message, and we get to see the emotion, we get to see the raw power of Jesus' understanding and his encounter with this woman. So uh, we're going to do it a little bit different. It's a long clip, uh, but I think you'll know why by the time we get to the end. So let's watch uh, John chapter 4. 
give me a drink? Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come out new, in the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd, I'd still like a drink of water if, if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah, exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit, and the time is coming and is now here that it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done.
you believe what I'm telling you? <laughs> Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sort this mess out, including me, I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you. And it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon. Just the heart. <laughs> you promise. I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> You forgot your arm. The power of understanding. Did, did you catch what she said as she was running away? She, she didn't say, I won, I was the first one. She, she didn't say, he chose me, he chose me. Now, what she said was, come see a man who told me everything, everything I have ever done of, of all the things about this encounter. That's what stood out to her. That's what impacted her maybe for this woman. Maybe it was the first time in her life that she had ever been understood, really understood. Not condemned, not abandoned, not judged but understood. The message that she carried back to town with her was that she had met someone who knew her and showed her grace and mercy 
and compassion. The power of understanding is news worth sharing. As we begin to unpack this, like we know that there's no way we'll ever have the understanding of Jesus. But every day, every day we have opportunities to understand those around us, to learn, to discover, to hear their stories, to want to listen to them, to want to get to know them, to want to meet them right where they are. We have an opportunity to need to understand the people around us. The question for us today is, will we do the hard work of understanding others so that we can love them better for Jesus' sake? Will we put others first? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you today that... um, You sought us out with understanding, Lord. Will you help us now to understand the power and the necessity of us returning that understanding of leading in understanding into our world? God, help us to know your heart. Help us to know your heart today, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, As you would come into John's gospel and run up to uh, John chapter 4, you're going to realize that as the story has unfolded that Jesus has made an intentional trip to Samaria. Uh, Verse 4 there says specifically, says, now he had to go through Samaria. And that seems like an odd little bit to be recorded for us 2,000 years later, right? Like he had to go through Samaria. But John recorded that detail very specifically because Jews in Jesus' day didn't have to go through Samaria. They would have said, no, 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 we need to go around Samaria. Jesus, uh, I love it in this text, uh, when he, he looks at the woman and he says, I came to Samaria just to see you. That was Jesus' motive. That was his intention in making this journey because there had been centuries of bad blood between the Jews and the Samaritans. And and to put it lightly and briefly, they did not get along. They had no use for one another. And, And so therefore, they would have tried to avoid these encounters. But yet we see Jesus willing to go and to move into that space. And as you would continue and read verse 11, it reveals that this woman has uh, an understanding at least of the religious implications of this encounter for Jesus. Uh, Verse 11, it says, Sir, uh, the woman said, You have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Uh, You see that this woman was thinking about a tangible water that Jesus might offer. And so what the context or the backstory is that Jews believed if they came in contact, if they touched a Samaritan utensil such as a water jug, that they would be defiled. And when that happened, that affected their ability to go to synagogue, go to worship. And so the woman is aware of that, but because of her experience, she was anticipating Jesus to have that same objection. But yet we see that Jesus wasn't coming with condemnation. No, he was leading an encounter with understanding and grace to reach a seeking heart. Jesus was leading with compassion. Uh, Verse 16 and 18, uh, Jesus told her, go and call your husband. Verse 17, the lady replies, she says, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you 
now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. What began as kind of a weird encounter with a Jewish rabbi at the well quickly turns course when Jesus reveals that he knows her every deed and, yes, her very heart. And I want to just pause here for a moment in our unpacking of this text. And I want to acknowledge that even in reading this text that we can often read our assumptions onto this woman. And you have heard this. This is a very popular text and it's a very popular teaching point. And so you've no doubt heard this, but you may hear and even be tempted to think things like, uh, wow, what a promiscuous woman. Divorced five times. What was the matter with her? Was she a serial adulterer or, or was she a harlot? You know, see, we come with those assumptions, but the reality is we don't know any of that. We know nothing of her backstory. But yet we find ourselves, rather than leading with understanding, we're leading even into this text with assumptions. Let, let's, let's peel back a little bit and understand the culture and the time. If you would rewind, women in that time married very young to much older men. So it's very possible that she could have been widowed once or twice or even more times than that. Because she would have been so much younger than her husband. Doesn't even that consideration start to turn your perspective in the story a little bit? Suddenly, this is not a serial adulterer. It might be a person who is broken and tattered and, and just worn out from the pain in her story. She could have been unable to conceive, and in that time, that would have been right for every husband she married. As soon as they found out that she couldn't bear them a son to just put her to the side. What if that was her story? Does that change our approach to this text, to how we see how and what Jesus did for her? You see, when we lead with our assumptions, we will never hear the whole story. We won't even truly get to know the person we've encountered. The real pains, the real hurts, the real life that the people have been living, when we lead with assumptions, we never get there. But that's not the heart of Jesus. That's not the heart of Jesus. You know that whatever this woman's uh, uh, life was, whatever our assumptions are, whether they're accurate or not, the point is that Jesus intentionally went through Samaria, went to go find this woman and engage her, to know her and to offer her life. For Jesus, that knowledge of this woman came supernaturally. For you and for me, as we engage our radically new world in 2022, it's going to come from intentional listening. It's going to come from intentional engaging and caring for people right where they are. That's how we're going to reach the changing world is to lead with the heart of Jesus for understanding people's stories. Not our assumptions. Our call as the church, our call together, 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton, Virginia in 2022, is that every one of us will engage our world with the compassionate power of understanding. The power of listening. The power of actually caring. A 
about the people we meet every day. Have you ever witnessed this in your life? Have you ever encountered the power of understanding where you you may have thought something about someone and as you journeyed along, you found out more of their story only to find out that you were absolutely wrong? Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that? If I were to be honest today and transparent, um, and just thank you all for allowing me to share that way. Um, In my own journey, the power of understanding has impacted me the most after I've led with my assumptions first. In other words, after I had gotten it completely wrong. I want to share a story with you um, from a number of years ago, back when I was... Uh, in construction and and in that environment. I had a friend, uh, and we called one another Poncho. And so uh, just to protect his uh, identity for this story, we'll just go with Poncho today. Um, But Poncho taught me a a lesson in the power of understanding that I will never forget. Um, When I came to the Lord years ago, uh, I was a mess, to put it lightly. Uh, I had bought into a number of ideas and another cultural trends around me, and I was full of wrong ways of thinking, things that I needed to work through if I was truly going to be a disciple of Jesus, and one of those things was prejudice. You see, my friend Pancho was from Mexico. Uh, he, he led a crew of Hispanic workers that I was around day in and day out through my job. Uh, And for those that maybe aren't familiar with construction, um, locally, um, uh, there can often be an underlying tension, uh, uh, an angst even between workers who have immigrated and those who are native born here. And today, friends, I, I am not proud to say that I bought into that culture. I'm not proud today to say that. My first interactions with my friend Poncho were not so great because I had an anger and a temper problem and an ego problem to boot. When I said I was a mess, I meant it. The Lord's still working on me. But you know what? During all that time, all those uh, interactions that I wish I could do over, he was amazingly gracious to me. Uh, Somewhere uh, in my time of knowing him, and please forgive me, we're, we're already running long. Um, Somewhere in our time together, uh, I I came back to the Lord, and and the Lord was dealing with me on some heart issues, some undercurrents in my heart that I had to address if I was going to be a faithful follower of Jesus. And and one of those was how I viewed and how I interacted with people who were different than me. Whether that was by culture or language or looks, whatever it was, God was calling me to address that heart concern. And I remember one day uh, I had sat down and was eating uh, with Poncho and his guys and I asked him about his story. I asked him, how, how did you get here? How did you end up all the way in Virginia to just work with us? Like, how did that happen? And he begins to pour out his heart and his story and friends, I'll never be the same. You, you see, because he, he began to unpack that he had uh, come to the U.S. the first time, but he wasn't allowed to bring his family that time. And so he actually wanted to go back in hopes of bringing them. He wanted to be with his family. And right then there's a human connection because how would I feel 2,000 miles away from my wife and daughter? 
You see, the second time he wanted to come back, the, I think there was a paperwork glitch or something, and so he had to do it illegally. And so uh, for weeks they stayed in the desert, and as they were running and hiding and trying to get into the U.S., all of that leverage just to show up and work the job that I take for granted every day. They finally made it uh, into the U.S. And he said they'd been a couple days without water. And so they approached this house and began drinking from the outside spigot. I mean, can you imagine just the sight of a house with running water if it's been days? And so they approached this house and began drinking out of the spigot. And he recounted, he said, the owner of the house just came out cussing and swearing at us, telling us to get out of there. And I remember in that moment being so moved. By so moved by how much he had sacrificed, how much he had given, how much more was to this man's story that I had just never heard because I assumed. I remember feeling like if I could have crawled in my lunchbox and hidden, I'd have just done it. You see, I led with my preconceived notions about my friend Pancho. I never took time to hear his story, to hear the human side of what he had suffered and what he had endured just to show up to work every day and to be with his family. It completely changed my interactions and my love for my brother. Friends, that's the power of understanding. And the Lord used that in my life to correct those undercurrents that had to go. That's the power As the band comes today, uh, we're, we're going to continue in our series. I mentioned this is a four-part series, and, and over the coming weeks, uh, we're going to unpack other areas of focus, other ways that can help us bridge the gap from where we're sitting this morning to our lost and broken world that so desperately needs the hope of Jesus. We're going to uh, see that th this endeavor is a supernatural pursuit. To The evangelism is supernatural, and therefore it must begin in prayer. And, and we're going to unpack a little bit more uh, one of the greatest ways, the greatest ways that we can show people. Remember, we've got, we've got to show some people now. We don't have the equity in our pockets anymore as the church. We have to earn their ear and their trust. One of the ways we're going to do that and to love people is by serving them by serving them. And finally, we're going to understand that the ultimate expression of love is to be able to share the good news of Jesus with other people, to share the compelling story of Jesus with those we have met. I wish today that I could tell you that my experience with my friend Pancho was the only time that I ever got this wrong, that my predetermined ideas went first instead of understanding, but it wasn't. H have you ever missed the mark on this? H have you ever led with assumptions rather than understanding? You know, maybe it shows up in how we read John 4 and just when you hear the word divorce, we automatically start pushing our thoughts and our assumptions onto people, not knowing the heartache and the pain that may lie in their story. Or maybe we find someone who's struggling with addiction, struggling to get their life on track, and we just heap condemnation on, we lead assumptions saying, oh, they're living a the life they want to. They just need to pull themselves back up by their bootstraps. They've gotten themselves there. They need to get themselves out. 
and we don't take the time to just hear the story of brokenness and pain and misery that they might be in. Have you ever done that? See, there's countless ways that we can lead with our assumptions, but the call of Jesus, friends, is to lead with understanding. To lead with understanding. No matter what your perspective is on someone, If we don't start with a heart of understanding, we will miss, we will forfeit, we will give up a precious opportunity to engage them with a meaningful, powerful, compassionate love of Jesus. That's the importance of understanding. As we close today, I I, I suppose... When you try to wrap your arms all the way around this, what we've been talking about this morning from a new normal and a different world that we're living in to even the way that the world perceives the church, to how Jesus interacted with the woman at the well, to ways that I've missed this, I think here's a point, here's a take home for us today. Before people Before people need my judgment, they need my compassion. Before people in your story, in my story, at your work, at Walmart, at school, before they need your judgment, they need your compassion. And before they need my opinion, need my understanding. Friends, that's the heart of Jesus. That's the heart of Jesus that it's going to take to reach the loved ones that we would raise our hand for in the beginning of the service. That's the heart of Jesus that is timeless, that is eternal, that expresses itself in pure, compassionate love. That's what it's going to take for us, So the question today is, do you want his heart? Do you want the heart of Jesus to come into your life? You see, that's the invitation, is to have his heart, and we give him our complete yes so that we don't lead with our opinions and our assumptions. No, we're leading with the life of Christ pouring from us. Do you have his heart today? have his heart today friends the beauty of this moment that God has given us is that the places that we've been missing it like I was missing it God didn't approach me with condemnation he approached me with a friend to help reveal what was going on in my heart he approached me in understanding and today friends God is approaching you in understanding saying do you want my heart. Let's pray together. Lord, um, (laughs) come. (laughs) Come, Lord Jesus. Um, We'll we'll never do this on our own. 
Lord, because our bent, our, our carnal nature is bent towards assumptions, towards opinions, towards leading with us first, God. But no, your life cuts across all of that and says, no, 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 no. We're going to lead with compassion first. We're going to lead with grace and mercy. God, I need you to be at work in my life if that's going to happen. So, Lord, today, as we hear your voice, may we respond and just say, yes, Lord, I want your heart. And let's trust. Lord, you are trustworthy. We invite you to come. Lord, you do that work. You give us the heart transplant. And you ask us to obey you. Will you come today, Lord, and give us your heart? Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.